0: chapter twenty one of nada the lily by h rider haggard this librivox recording is in the public domain the death of Shaka. now on the morrow two hours before midday Shaka came from the hut to where he had sat through the night and moved a little to a kraal surrounded by a fence that was some fifty paces distant from the hut for it was my duty, day by day, to choose that place where the king should sit to hear the counsel of his Indunas, and give judgment on those whom he would kill, and to-day I had chosen this place. Shaka went alone from his hut to the kraal, and, for my own reasons, I accompanied him, walking after him. As we went, the king glanced back at me over his shoulder, and said in a low voice is all prepared mopo all is prepared black one i answered the regiment of the slayers will be here by noon where are the princes mopo asked the king again the princes sit with their wives in the houses of their women o king i answered they drink beer and sleep in the laps of their wives Shaka smiled grimly for the last time, mopo! for the last time, O King! We came to the kraal and Chaka sat down in the shade of the reed fence upon an ox-hide that was brayed soft near to him stood a girl holding a gourd of beer there were also present the old chief Ingwazonka, brother of Unandi mother of the heavens and the chief Um-mama, whom Shaka loved when we had sat a little while in the kraal certain men came in bearing crane's feathers which the king had sent them to gather a month's journey from the kraal and they were admitted before the king these men had been away long upon their errand and chaka was angry with them now the leader of the men was an old captain of Shaka's, who had fought under him in many battles, but whose service was done because his right hand had been shorn away by the blow of an axe. He was a great man and very brave. Shaka asked the man why he had been so long in finding the feathers, and he answered that the birds had flown from that part of the country whither he was sent, and he must wait there till they returned, that he might snare them thou shouldst have followed the cranes yes if they flew through the sunset thou disobedient dog said the king let him be taken away and all those who were with him now some of the men prayed a little for mercy but the captain did but salute the king calling him father and craving a boon before he died what wouldst thou asked Shaka. my father said the man I would ask thee two things. I have fought many times at thy side in battle, when we both were young. Nor did I ever turn my back upon the foe. The blow that sure the hand from off this arm was aimed at thy head, O King. I stayed it with my naked arm. It is nothing. At thy will I live, and at thy will I die. Who am I that I should question the word of the King? Yet I would ask this that thou wilt withdraw the kaross from about thee, O King, that for the last time my eyes may feast themselves upon the body of him whom above all men I love!" "Thou art long-winded," said the King. "What more?" "This, my father, that I may bid farewell to my son. He is a little child, so high, O King," and he held his hand above his knee. "The first boon is granted said the king slipping the caross from his shoulders and showing the great breast beneath for the second it shall be granted also for i will not willingly divide the father and the son bring the boy here thou shalt bid him farewell then thou shalt slay him with thine own hand ere thou thyself art slain it will be good sport to see now the man turned grey beneath the blackness of his skin and trembled a little as he murmured, "The king's will is the will of his servant. Let the child be brought. But I looked at Shaka and saw that the tears were running down his face, and that he only spoke thus to try the captain who loved him to the last. Let the man go, said the king, him and those with him. So they went, glad at heart and praising the king i have told you this my father though it has not to do with my story because then and then only did i ever see chaka show mercy to one whom he had doomed to die as the captain and his people left the gate of the kraal it was spoken in the ear of the king that a man sought audience of him he was admitted crawling on his knees i looked and saw that this was that my whom chaka had charged with a message to him who was named bulalio or the slaughterer and who ruled over the people of the axe it was masilo indeed but he was no longer fat for much travel had made him thin moreover on his back were the marks of rods as yet scarcely healed over who art thou said chaka i am masilo of the people of the axe to whom command was given to run with a message to Bulalio, the slaughterer, their chief, and to return on the thirtieth day. Behold, O king, I have returned, though in a sorry plight. It seems so, said the king, laughing aloud. I remember now. Speak on Masilo the thin, who wast Masilo the fat. What of this slaughterer? Does he come with his people to lay the axe-grown maker in my hands?' nay o king he comes not he met me with scorn and with scorn he drove me from his kraal moreover as i went i was seized by the servants of zinita her whom i wooed but is now the wife of the slaughterer and laid on my face upon the ground and beaten cruelly while zinita numbered the strokes ha said the king and what were the words of this puppy these were his words o king bulalio the slaughterer who sits beneath the shadow of the witch mountain to bulalio the slaughterer who sits in the kraal duguza to thee i pay no tribute but if thou wouldst have the axe grow maker come to the ghost mountain and take it this i promise thee thou shalt look on a face thou knowest for there is one there who would be avenged for the blood of a certain mopo Now. While Masilo told this tale, I had seen two things. First, that a little piece of stick was thrust through the straw of the fence, and secondly, that the regiment of the bees was swarming on the slope opposite to the kraal in obedience to the summons I had sent them in the name of umhlangana The stick told me that the princes were hidden behind the fence, waiting the signal, and the coming of the regiment... That it was time to do the deed when masilo had spoken chaka sprang up in fury his eyes rolled his face worked foam flew from his lips for such words as these had never offended his ears since he was king and masilo knew him little else he had not dared to utter them for a while he gasped shaking his small spear for at first he could not speak at length he found words the dog he hissed the dog who dares thus to spit in my face hearken all as with my last breath i command that this slaughterer be torn limb from limb he and all his tribe and thou thou darest to bring me this talk from a skunk of the mountains and thou too mopo thy name is named in it well of thee presently oh umk mamma my servant slay me this slave of a messenger beat out his brains with thy stick swift swift now the old chief umk Mama sprang up to do the king's bidding but he was feeble with age and the end of it was that masilo being mad with fear killed umk Mama, not umk Masilo. then inguazonca brother of onandi mother of the heavens fell upon masilo and ended him but was hurt himself in so doing now i looked at chaka who stood shaking the little red spear and thought swiftly for the hour had come help i cried one is slaying the king as i spoke the reed fence burst asunder and through it plunged the princes umkhlangana and dingaan as bulls plunge through a break then i pointed to shaka with my withered hand saying behold your king now from beneath the shelter of his carros each prince drew out a short stabbing spear and plunged it into the body of shaka the king Umkhangana smote him on the left shoulder dingaan struck him in the right side Shaka dropped the little spear handled with the red wood and looked round and so royally that the princes his brothers grew afraid and shrank away from him twice he looked on each then he spoke saying what do you slay me my brothers dogs of mine own house whom i have fed do you slay me thinking to possess the land and to rule it i tell you it shall not be for long i hear a sound of running feet the feet of a great white people they shall stamp you flat children of my father they shall rule the land that i have won and you and your people shall be their slaves thus Shaka spoke while the blood ran down him to the ground and again he looked on them royally like a buck at gaze make an end o ye who would be kings i cried but their hearts had turned to water and they could not then i mopo sprang forward and picked from the ground that little assegai handled with the royal wood the same assegai with which Shaka had murdered unandi his mother and musa my son and lifted it on high and while i lifted it my father once more as when i was young a red veil seemed to wave before my eyes wherefore wouldst thou kill me mopo said the king for the sake of balaka my sister to whom i swore the deed and of all my kin i cried and plunged the spear through him he sank down upon the tanned ox-hide and lay there dying once more he spoke and once only saying would now that i had hearkened to the voice of nobela who warned me against thee thou dog then he was silent for ever but i knelt over him and call in his ear the names of all those of my blood who had died at his hands, the name of Makedama my father, of my mother, of Anadi my wife, of Musa my son, and all my other wives and children, and of Baleka my sister. His eyes and ears were open, and I think, my father, that he saw and understood, I think also that the hate upon my face as I shook my withered hand before him was more fearful to him than the pain of death. At the least he turned his head aside, shut his eyes, and groaned. Presently they opened again, and he was dead. Thus then, my father, did Shaka the king the greatest man who has ever lived in Zululand, and the most evil, pass by my hand to those kraals of the Inkosazana where no sleep is. In blood he died as he had lived in blood, for the climber at last falls with the tree, and in the end the swimmer is borne away by the stream. Now he trod that path which had been beaten flat for him, by the feet of people whom he had slaughtered many as the blades of grass upon a mountain side but it is a lie to say as some do that he died a coward praying for mercy Shaka died as he had lived a brave man oh my father i know it for these eyes saw it and this hand let out his life now he was dead, and the regiment of the bees drew near. Nor could I know how they would take this matter, for though the prince of Klangana was their general, yet all the soldiers loved the king, because he had no equal in battle, and when he gave, he gave with an open hand. I looked round. The princes stood like men amazed. The girl had fled. The chief of um, Mama, was dead at the hands of dead Masilo, and the old chief, Inguazonca, who had killed Masilo, stood by, hurt and wondering. There were no others in the kraal. "'Awake, ye kings!' I cried to the brothers. "'The impi is at the gates. Swift now, stab that man!' And I pointed to the old chief, and leave the matter to my wit." then dingaan roused himself and springing upon inguazonka the brother of Unandi, smote him a great blow with his spear so that he sank down dead without a word then again the princes stood silent and amazed this one will tell no tales i cried pointing to the fallen chief now a rumour of the slaying had got abroad among the women who had heard cries and seen the flashing of spears above the fence, and from the women it had come to the regiment of the bees, who advanced to the gates of the kraal singing. Then of a sudden they ceased their singing, and rushed towards the hut in front of which we stood. Then I ran to meet them, uttering cries of woe, holding in my hand the little assegai of the king, red with the king's blood and spoke with the captains in the gate, saying, Lament, ye captains and ye soldiers, weep and lament, for your father is no more. He who nursed you is no more, the king is dead. Now earth and heaven will come together, for the king is dead. How so, Mopo? cried the leader of the bees. How is our father dead? He is dead by the hand of a wicked wanderer named Masilo, who, when he was doomed to die by the king, snatched this assegai from the king's hand and stabbed him and afterwards, before he could be cut down himself by us three, the princes and myself, he killed the chiefs Ingwazonka and Umbama also draw near and look on him who was the king. It is the command of Dingaan and Umslangana, the king's, that you draw near and look on him who was the king, that his death at the hand of Masilo. May be told through all the land you are better at making of kings mopo than at the saving of one who was your king from the stroke of a wanderer said the leader of the bees looking at me doubtfully but his words passed unheeded for some of the captains went forward to look on the great one who was dead and some together with most of the soldiers ran this way and that crying in their fear that now the heaven and earth would come together, and the race of man would cease to be, because Shaka the king was dead. Now, my father, how shall I, whose days are few, tell you of all the matters that happened after the death of Shaka? Were I to speak of them all, they would fill many books of the white men, and perhaps some of them are written down there, For this reason it is that I may be brief. I have only spoken of a few of those events which befell in the reign of Shaka. For my tale is not of the reign of Shaka, but of the lives of a handful of people who lived in those days, and of whom I and Umslopogaas alone are left alive, if, indeed, Umslopogaas, the son of Shaka, is still living on the earth. Therefore, in a few words I will pass over all that came about after the fall of Shaka, until I was sent down by Dingaan the king, to summon him to surrender to the king who was called the slaughterer and who ruled the people of the axe. Ah, would that I had known for certain that this was none other than Umslopogaas, for then had Dingaan gone the way that Shaka went, and which umkhangana followed and Umslopogaas had ruled the people of the Zulus as their king. But alas, my wisdom failed me. I paid no heed to the voice of my heart which told me that this was Upslopogaas who sent the message to Chaka threatening vengeance for one Mopo, and I knew nothing till too late. Surely, I thought, the man spoke of some other Mopo for thus, my father, does destiny make fools of us men. We think that we can shape our fate, but it is fate that shapes us, and nothing befalls except fate will it. All things are a great pattern, my father, drawn by the hand of the umkulunkulu upon the cup whence he drinks the water of his wisdom, and our lives and what we do and what we do not do are ah, but a little bit of the pattern which is so big that only the eye of him who is above the Umkulunkulu can see it all. Even Shaka the slayer of men, and all those he slew are but as a tiny grain of dust in the greatness of that pattern. How then can we be wise, my father, who are but the tools of wisdom? How can we build who are but pebbles in a wall? how can we give life who are babes in the womb of fate or how can we slay who are but spears in the hands of the slayer this came about my father matters were made straight in the land after the death of chaka at first people said that masilo the stranger had stabbed the king then it was known that mopo the wise man the doctor and body-servant of the king had slayed the king, and that the two great bulls, his brothers, Unkhlanganna and Dingaan, children of Senzangakonna, had also lifted spears against him. But he was dead, and earth and heaven had not come together, so what did it matter? Moreover, the two new kings promised to deal gently with the people and to lighten the heavy yoke of Chaka, and men in a bad case are always ready to hope for a better. So it came about that the only enemies the princes found were each other and Engwade, the son of Unandi, Shaka's half-brother. But I, Mopo, who was now the first man in the land after the kings, ceasing to be a doctor and becoming a general, went up against Enguade with the regiment of the bees and the regiment of the slayers, and smote him in his kraals. It was a hard fight, but in the end I destroyed him and all his people. Enguade killed eight men with his own hand before I slew him. Then I came back to the kraal with the few that were left alive of the two regiments. After that, the two kings quarrelled more and more, and I weighed them both in my balance, for I would know which was the most favourable to me. In the end, I found that both feared me, but that Umhlangana would certainly put me to death if he gained the upper hand. Whereas this was not yet in the mind of Dingaan, so I pressed down the balance of Umhlangana, and raised that of Dingaan. Sending the fears of Umslangana to sleep till I could cause his hut to be surrounded, then Umklangana followed upon the road of Shaka, his brother, the road of the Assegai, and Dingaan ruled alone for a while. Such are the things that befall princes of this earth. My father see, I am but a little man, and my lot is humble at the last yet i have brought about the death of three of them and of these two died by my hand it was fourteen days after the passing away of the prince Umkhangana that the great army came back in a sorry plight from the marches of the limpopo For half of them were left dead of fever and the might of the foe and the rest were starving it was well for them who yet lived that shaka was no more else they had joined their brethren who were dead on the way since never before for many years had a zulu impi returned unvictorious and without a single head of cattle thus it came about that they were glad enough to welcome a king who spared their lives and thenceforth till his fate found him Dingaan reigned unquestioned now Dingaan was a prince of the blood of Shaka, indeed, for like Shaka, he was great in presence and cruel at heart, but he had not the might and the mind of Shaka, moreover, he was treacherous and a liar, and these Shaka was not also he loved women much and spent with them the time that he should have given to matters of the state. Yet he reigned a while in the land. I must tell this also, that Dingan would have killed Panda, his half-brother, so that the house of Senzangakona, his father, might be swept out clean. Now Panda was a man of gentle heart, who did not love war, and therefore it was thought that he was half-witted, And because I loved Panda when the question of his slaying came on, I and the chief Mapita spoke against it and pleaded for him, saying that there was nothing to be feared at his hands who was a fool. So in the end Dingan gave way, saying, Well, you ask me to spare this dog, and I will spare him, but one day he will bite me. So Panda was made governor of the king's cattle, yet in the end the words of Dingahan came true, for it was the grip of Panda's teeth that pulled him from the throne. Only if Panda was the dog that bit, I, Mopo, was the man who set him on the hunt. End of chapter 21